Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 126 of the Cana Rinse Podcast. You can play along with Cana Rinse Volume 3 and our next five issues are set to be Metro Last Light, then Burnout and Burnout 2, Point of Impact, the first of several shows about Criterion's arcade racers. Then we finish our current Super Mario run with a podcast all about the new Super Mario Brothers games. Then it's back to Aperture Science for Portal 2 in a month. And following that, our long-awaited, once-delayed Hitman Blood Money show, which uh, close followers of our work might work out that uh, is actually currently temporarily replacing uh, The Last of Us podcast for the reason that we want to do The Last of Us once the remastered edition has come out. And so we can play that and talk about that too, uh, which um, should be a lot of fun. Head to canarince.com for the full schedule the blog, links to our merchandise store, Facebook, Google+, and YouTube. And please subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes, as many of you have done, and thank you very much for that. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Carl Moon. Hiya. An appropriate name for the end of Portal 2, but that's a long way away. We are at the start of Portal 1, 2007 and our histories with this game. I reckon it's going to probably feature the orange box. Carl? Uh, yeah, funnily enough, it does feature yeah. the orange box. Yeah. Surprising. Um, yeah, it, it sort of came at a time when I was looking to perhaps get it on the PC, but got pushed towards the 360 release. Um, rushed out the day it came out into Middlesbrough because the shops didn't actually have it in my local town. Mm. So I uh, wandered on public transport, which is never a pleasant part of the life up here but (laughs) (laughs) picked it up and uh yeah portal was the the main reason for picking it up more so was it okay yeah that was uh that was this is interesting because i think for for myself and and a few other people it was kind of it was almost the afterthought but uh we'll come on to that um so you played that first yeah absolutely i uh told my friends um they both came over they wanted to watch Portal being played as well, they were curious considering, I mean it had a massive amount of press leading into before the release yeah, yeah. with the, the mm. really quirky videos and they were certainly intrigued so they came and sat and literally went through it in one sitting um, Yeah, and, and you know we we all sort of took part in that, that first play magic I guess It's quite good having, um, with, a, with a, a logical problem solving game like that it can be quite good to have several uh, perspectives on it as it were because um it's also a know, downside if they can figure the problem out and you don't really want to ask you say yeah, yeah i know what i'm doing yeah. but i just wanted to you know look at that area <laughs> yeah true yeah and i suppose you know it's not a re- it's not a 
particularly long game, and they're, they're, I suppose there aren't a huge number of puzzles in the in the game. There's enough though, I think. Anyway, um, so yes, uh, Josh. Yes. About you. Um, orange box. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my yeah, my story also involves the orange box. Um, although I was actually really excited. Um, for Portal, even before I knew it was going to be packed in with uh, Half-Life 2 Episode 2. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the first teaser trailer for Portal, but I, I honestly think it's one of the best trailers for any game that's uh, ever been created, because it just it perfectly uh, sums up what the game is all about without showing you everything. Like it has the GLaDOS narration over the top and it has that humour to it but it also shows you very simply at first the mechanics of the portal and I think it's easy to forget how amazing that is the first time you see it because mm. it, it, port, the portal games have kind of become part of the gaming culture so you think, oh portals, yeah, yeah, obviously but the first <laughs> yeah. time you see it and and you you know this game never existed before you know the first time you see that mechanic in action you go what the hell is this yeah. Yeah. and that's what i felt when i first saw that trailer i was like this is so different from anything else i've ever seen um so i was day 1 the moment the orange box came out and i mean the orange box is one of the all time best deals um the to ever exist yeah half-life 2 half-life 2 episode 1 episode 2 team fortress 2 and portal that's just and all for the price of one brand new game that's it was very crazy. exciting yeah, yeah it was even though uh, at the time my my history is i rushed out and bought the orange box on the day it was released um and uh, even though i'd already played half-life 2 on pc three years previously um it was exciting to just play it you know to play that again um because i loved it so much as we discussed on that podcast yeah. um search our archives for it um obviously uh i hadn't played had i played i can't remember if, if i'd even played episode one at that point i'm not sure that i had so i think i was i was buying the orange box mainly for the for the two half-life two episodes i think and portal for me was was i was in in that camp where it was almost an afterthought i hadn't I, you know, I kind of knew that there was a certain amount of um, interest in it, and it had had a certain amount of publicity, um, and I'd seen a few things. But I, you know, I don't tend to follow games before they're out, um, and I'd seen the reviews of Orange Box. Obviously, were were highly uh, positive, and I noticed uh, that without again without taking in too much of what it was about, I knew the basic concept of the portal. You go in one place, you come out somewhere else. You know, with via these two portals. Um, uh, some of the Orange Box reviews were saying actually what might have been just a kind of throw in afterthought was one of the best reasons to you know to buy the the package the Orange Box. Um, so yeah, it was just it just was the whole thing was a no brainer and and I think I ended up I can't remember which order I played things in but I certainly tried Portal very quickly and um, and as as we'll we'll find out it doesn't take a huge amount of time to complete. Um, I probably got quite stuck on, in one or two places on my first playthrough playing through on my own. Um, can't remember if I cheated at all. Looked for look for solutions, but um, yeah, there we have it. Now uh, tracing the game's roots, I did. I had heard of this Narbacula drop. Uh, so this was the uh, 2005 uh, free to download, I think, puzzler um, under the 
made under the the, the helm, if you will, the, Digi, the DigiPen Institute of Technology by Nuclear Monkey Software, um, the team including uh, Kim Swift and Garrett Ricky, Dave Kircher and Jeep Barnett. Um, now, I never played this, uh, I must admit, Narbacular Drop. I knew that it formed the basis, but I don't know. Carl, I know you, you're a big Valve fan and you tend to follow developers. Do you actually know sort of what order things happened? Was it a case that Valve basically said, this is amazing and we're going to hire you all to make this game? Or Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a case that, that Valve always have this sort of strange scouting network almost for a, a, a games publisher and they came across it. Um, I believe it. I believe it was at a quick con or it was some convention, right? And um, Gabe Newell himself sort of saw it, saw the potential in it, and, and approached them, um, much in the same way as happened with Left 4 Dead, uh, being produced yes, under a different yeah. a, a different guys. Yeah. Um, went and recruited the whole company if they if they wanted to be a part of Valve and then and then just yeah. simply produced it under the the Valve header and which obviously it later became the the building block for Portal. Yeah, it's quite different from from what little I know of Nonbacular Drop and you know who's to say it could have its own cane and rinse one day. I don't know if it's you know considered a, a a great game or not really because people always just talk about it in terms of well it was the game that kind of made you know became portal but but actually it seems quite different from the little i look at you know from the little i've seen what i know about it it's got a although you play a female character um she's unable to jump and it's kind of it's got you know um dungeons and demons it's that sort of setup rather than the science lab um and it, it won a bunch of awards you know uh, at uh, at shows and and independent independent games festivals and stuff, but beyond that, I'm not too familiar. I'm more familiar with kind of things that span off from Portal, you know, like Flash versions and 2D homebrew versions for the DS and stuff like that. But I assume it came with the the kind of uh, you know the Portal, the basic concept of the Portal, the go in one place and come out of another, which is you know is as you said, Josh, the first time you see it. And for most of us, I guess that will be when you're you you know you wake up in uh, your cell as shell, uh, this nameless woman. You you get your your first glimpse of of your avatar, your player character, who is this woman. Um, you don't know why she's there particularly, other than she's a test subject. And you are you know the first portal is automatic, and you get that glimpse where you see yourself walking out of one. Uh, yourself into the surrounding area and it is quite mind-boggling and it's very tempting to pop in and out a few times to go oh yeah okay. i'm pretty sure it's one of those moments where everyone does uh the old double take you walk past it walk back you're like oh it but you know back, back and forth seeing if it matches up perfectly yeah. you know obviously no. i think it, it, it does really really well and it it sort of really sells you know it sets, sort of sets the mind racing of Ooh, there is so much you could do with this, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's obviously that's something that they've sold in the trailer that, that Josh was on about at the start, um, where you know I, I've come from a background of being a big fan of games like Cooler World or anything where you've got to try and make your way in a path, and something like Portal, obviously, you immediately start thinking, well, there's you know if you if you're going in from one end and back to the other, and it, it we've seen sort of similar th- approaches in games, um, oddly like multiplayer first person shooters with you know the way portals would work in those but never really to solve puzzles so you know it it was so so exciting and it was like you just wanted to sort of race into the game after you you know you encounter your first portal you fire your first few against the wall and then you know the, the sort of the game's on it's it's really impressive 
it's the portability of it that's the thing. I mean, you you, you don't get that quite straight away. You, yeah. you get your portable portal device, but obviously teleports in games. You're going in a thing and coming out of another. Obviously, we you know we're familiar with the concept of teleportation from Star Trek and probably before. Yeah. Um, this is something that's different, where the idea that you actually have power over where you go in and where you come out. You know, up, down low, up high, and obviously the level design is such that it controls very carefully the places you can go in and come out. Um, yeah. But you don't necessarily feel like you're being overly guided or controlled, and there's enough ways to get solutions wrong. I, I think the thing that impressed me most when I first encountered the the portals in the game, and especially when you get your own portal gun. It's the fact that there's no loading times whatsoever. You just go in the portal and you can instantly see a- another version of the world that you're already in through the portal and you just walk in and it's instant. There's no... Like, every other instance mm. of that like that kind of thing in games before then, there'd be, like, a loading time or, like, a blackout and then, you know... Yeah, and I guess there's no in. reason why there should be, really, because it is simple mass. All you're doing is putting... You know, you're you're changing yeah. your your player character's coordinates and the level. Yeah. And th- in a way, that's not that's is in a way I would. You know, I'm not a mathematician nor a d- developer or a designer, but in a way that seems it's for, it's quite simple for a computer to do. The the difficult part is for our, our brains to <laughs> to kind of get our heads around the idea. I, I think it's not it's not just the uh, technical side of things. I think that just the way they present it as well is really magical. Just being able to see your avatar go through the other mm. end, and and being able to just stare into the portal and see this other world that you've seemingly uh, other dimension or whatever you want to call it that you've seemingly created. It, there's something very special about the way they present that mechanic in that game that I'd never seen before. I think being able to do it um, and being able to do it in a world that's so well crafted and designed that you want to do it as a player are two massively different things and you know we've we've commented on obviously we've done Half-Life and the Left 4 Dead games and and regularly we bring up how well Valve do level design Mm. and it's something that that shines through Portal it sort of takes the back seat but it's sort of the prime reason why you progress and why the mechanics of the portal gun actually work so well in that game you know you, it could have been put in any number of games but it wouldn't have necessarily as felt as special because they, they took something that would be a side to a to a game that would just be a weapon or a, a way of movement this game was purely that no other weapons and this is all you have to get around and you know it's a bold move, but they they sort of really just went with it in a in a way that that Valve uh, are able to because they they can take risks that quite frankly other developers and and obviously publishers can't. Yeah, and this came this came out. You know, the, the orange box was the first way of buying this, both on PC, Windows PC, and Xbox 360. This was October 2007. You could uh, download it on its own as well because obviously people on Steam already had a lot of the the stuff that was in the orange box. Um, but this was perhaps you know back back before there were so many. Uh, obviously, we'll probably talk a bit more about it in the Portal Two show. But Portal's influence, at, both in terms of you know first-person physics-based puzzlers or quantum physics-based puzzlers, but also just that this size of game and this this sort of quality of game in terms of 
it is a bit niche it isn't a shooter you know it definitely although it's first person it is most definitely a puzzler um and it you know and it's got this script and it 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 treats its audience with intelligence and all this stuff that um perhaps was less common back in 2007 than it is now and that's probably a lot to do with portals you know just being so very influential i mean it's a game that surely like we've got a fair amount of correspondence for it later and uh, and three word reviews but it's a game that with with the way that steam works steam sales giveaways and and also and the ubiquity of the orange box and the price that that thing dropped to everyone's played portal haven't they i mean like it's it boggles my mind at, you know how few of our regular listeners won't have even dabbled with portal anyone know anyone who's never played portal yeah, I actually know a, a couple of people, but they're the ones that have been more than happy to watch other people play Portal. Yeah, you know, it's right. it's the kind of thing where everybody seems interested in the mechanics, but they either don't really want to play it, or they may struggle in some sections. Not necessarily in terms of of the puzzles, because they actually quite like to to sort of be involved in solving the puzzles. But in the, the I mean, there are some areas where you actually have to be quite quick, and you have to actually be able to control a first person yes. game. You know, such as the, yeah, the elements true. where you're going up vertically, and you've got to land portals on the certain platforms about halfway yeah. through the game. It's yeah, you know, that, yeah, that was yeah. quite difficult, and that, mm. that that can be quite off putting for some people. But they want to enjoy the you know the the the, the famous sense of humour that you know the the world craft and the you know the story progression so i think it's one of those games that is as enjoyable to watch um as it is to play you know i i have a a cousin she always watches mm. games being mm. played because she can't really afford them but a lot of the time she won't finish them because they don't um they don't necessarily complete but something like portal she she loved to watch through because first yeah. it's size and then second you know it has everything else that comes with it. it. It's you know, it's not necessarily a long game, but it is absolutely all filler. You know, it's it's uh, sorry, absolutely no filler. Should yeah, I say all killer? Yeah, all killer, all no thriller. Filler. <laughs> yeah, um, and although, yeah, I think one of the things that struck me actually, although it came came out on three sixty day and date, and obviously is entirely playable with a three sixty controller, there are a couple of those bits where you are firing portals at the ground that are noticeably easier with mouse and keys, um, like this. You know, betraying that this was a game that was you know originally designed for that that control interface. But it's it's not a it's certainly no deal breaker. It's just that. Um, that looking down slowly with the analog stick thing when if you had a mouse you could quickly flick it to the floor and and fire your next portal making making your uh, your trajectory slightly easier so about a month after the uh, 360 and PC version there was a PS3 version of the orange box which um cuz uh, EA distributed the orange box on all formats but apparently um upon research We've discovered that uh, EA, some kind of internal EA team, handled the Orange Box port. Now, I've always heard that it was a little, you know, below the standard of the 360 version, which was handled internally by Valve. Um, but I've not played it, so I can't attest to that, and I don't reckon either of you guys have either. No, I've, I've, I've personally not touched it, but I did hear all the horror stories, and you know, it, it came at a time when, when it was almost the norm. Um, 2007 wasn't a great time for the multi-formats but I think the most damning part was that 
valve themselves almost distance themselves from the PS3 uh, and they yeah. were you know quite open about the fact that obviously the PC primary then you know the Xbox 360 was a good release and it's out on PS3 yeah and of course things had changed dramatically by the time Portal 2 came around yeah. in that respect but uh, we'll talk about that in a month's time um Another version of Portal I played was the uh, Xbox Live Arcade version, which followed about a year after the Orange Box, um, October 2008, Portal, colon, still alive. Um, now, I've played through that and completed it just as I did the Orange Box version, but there's also there's some extra stuff on there. that I've There's some advanced test chambers, which I'm sure are now a standard part of the PC download on Steam, but um, I've not been brave enough to tackle those, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried that they'll make me feel really stupid. Has anyone has anyone gone for the advanced test chamber game? Speed runs? <laughs> no, I, I, I sort of attempted the speed runs uh, in the standard portal release, and that that was difficult enough for me. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't fancy picking up the, the the second version digitally. Although you know, I, I think it was probably a smart move to release it digitally. It, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it was quite early on. Um, when the original portal was bundled in with the the orange box, mm. and obviously times have very much changed in in regards to you know how games are released, and you you would feel that portal would have a natural sort of digital release, so it, it sort of makes sense, and it opened it up to a whole new audience. But yeah, those advanced challenges, yeah, not not so much for me, <laughs> given that that's that was essentially what it was sold on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just wanted the excuse to play it again with different achievements, probably. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they they still wait. They still await me those advanced chambers from when I'm feeling when I'm feeling smart someday. Um, the Mac version followed in 2010. I guess that was when Steam arrived on Mac, wasn't it? May 2010, probably. Um, and there was a Linux version finally released in May 2013 for all our Linux-based listeners out there. So we should discuss that um, that location, and, and I suppose it's integral to the whole plot, really. Aperture Science. So you awake as Shell. You don't know you're called Shell at any point, do you? Um, this is just known through law. Um, you're never given a name. Um, in fact, GLaDOS refers to, uh, you know, insert test subject name here type things. Um, but that, that atmosphere is just captivated me from the off i just knew this place was both sinister and funny and again like like i say you know a a huge generalization everyone's played portal of course not everyone's played portal a a lot of people have played portal because of how cheap it's been and and whatever but i very seldom come across anyone who said i didn't think portal was amusing in some way i didn't think it was funny i didn't think it was intelligent it seems to be that people are kind of to unite so many people on humor is remarkable i'd say especially but perhaps especially in a game perhaps not because we're, we're not used to that many games being being funny but um i just thought it was a, a, a really great you know it could almost been as sinister as something like um, the you know the the film the sci-fi horror film the cube yeah. that sort of that sort of I- ideal and setup and then it did have its chilling moments but also because of Glados the the famous uh, passive aggressive auto tune now well, it's not auto tune is it how would you describe it vocoder I'm not sure but robot voiced woman um and and that particularly sharp script uh yeah i felt immersed immediately i i I think for a lot of people uh me included um the humor was a bit of a surprise going Mm. into this game because 
Um, Portal 1 wasn't really marketed on its humour. There were the trailers and there was the odd joke here and there in there. But it wasn't like with Portal 2 where in in that game they really, really sold it on the comedy and the writing. Mm. So I I think for a lot of people the reason why they respond to it so positively is because they went in expecting a really mechanics-focused game and then the story part of it, uh, the the dialogue uh, of Glados and everything like that, c- kind of came out of nowhere and ended up being one of the absolute best parts of the game, um, uh, alongside the the puzzles and the uh, the portals. Yeah, I think one of the things that Valve do is they don't treat you like idiots when they're trying to deliver something, whether it's the humour mm. um, or whether it's the story. So. All the puzzles. Well, yeah, absolutely, in the puzzles. And obviously we'd seen little bits of humour in sort of Half-Life 2. Yeah, definitely. Little bits here and there. But obviously it was more front and centre in in, in Portal. They they didn't try and mask it. It, You know, it it sort of got funnier and funnier. And then there's a lot of the humour was sort of hidden in the world as well that that you sort of discover Mm. later on. You know, you've obviously got the the turrets that are out the way that you know have their own personalities you've got the writings on the walls and you you know you end up putting a lot of it together yourself um rather than it just being shoved in your face and I, I, it's something i really appreciated as i was playing it sort of i think once it got me a couple of times with its humor i ended up sort of looking out for it more and finding it uh, myself and you know that that's the kind of immersion that you're so rare in games uh that and and combined with how short the game is, mm. it's really you know it's really strong. It, it just doesn't let up, and then that, you know that's why it's. I think that's why it's so fondly remembered by so many people. It's it's a dense experience. That's the thing. It's it, you can complete Portal in like an hour and a half, two hours, but there's so much memorable content in that two hours. Um, that it's hard to complain. I, I mean, a lot of games have taken that ethos now. Stuff like Journey and uh, other, you know, other games out there. Brothers as well. Mm. You don't have to be a super long game to be extremely memorable and to have be crammed full of great ideas. Um, I, I think every single section of Portal is memorable in some way. There doesn't. It, there's no point in this game where I think this was just put in here to. Uh, you know, um, just a bit of busy work for the player to do while mm. uh, while we uh, build up to the next big um, set piece. It, it felt it felt like every puzzle was teaching you something, or if it wasn't teaching you something, it was showing you something amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a- another clever trick I think they pulled while well, it worked for me um, was that even though this game barely punishes death at all it, you die in a in a traditional first person shooter kind of way the camera sinks to the floor and the screen goes red then all you have to do is stab a button and you're pretty much back where you were give or take a couple of uh, actions but yet i felt i felt in peril i felt like there was peril and danger um and some games just don't communicate that well enough uh, and i think it, it can only be the that constant sort of um being baited and it's weird it's so weird to say that GLaDOS is baiting you because she she isn't deliberately not like she does in the second game but there's just this sense of menace with GLaDOS that that, as I say it is the passive aggressive thing it's she is surely my favorite passive aggressive character in gaming yeah I mean it, it 
there's, there's so many things. I mean, I didn't really ever feel in peril from how I was told in the story, but I, I mm. felt it more from how the game was handled in its engine. I mean, for all the complaints people have over the engine and, and the motion sickness and the field of view and, and how it mm. affected so many people, it mm. benefited Portal 2... Uh, sorry, it benefited Portal and Portal 2 in a way that, for me, it didn't benefit Half-Life 2, and that is in that... The, the speed and inertia of whipping through your portals and dropping from heights and, and doing long jumps and stuff that it you know it felt like I was there and in the same way that it affects people with motion sickness that sort of helped with the speed if you, if you know what I mean it's like I didn't feel like I was sort of playing a game or watching a game being played on a TV I felt like I was right there up against the screen so yeah. Everything was sort of happening, and you you know you've got the sound uh, of the of the wind whipping as you as you've been sort of thrown into the distance quickly, or mm. or the you know the the high drops down towards the ground. It's it's something that they, they absolutely got the speed and the pacing and the inertia right of going portal to portal. And for me, that affected me because I didn't want to just fall to my death because it's one of those few games where. And I mean, more games do it now, but at the time, if mm. I was falling from a height, I'd get that, you know, that sort of the butterflies in your belly sort of yeah. thing that you get on a roller coaster. Vertical, yeah. And, I, and yeah, I get that yeah. in games now because games have got so much better at delivering it. But back in 2007, yeah. I think Portal was mm. pretty much the first one that affected me in a way that I was like, ooh, that's a bit bit queasy. Let's do it again, sort of thing. Yeah, I guess it's especially good in that you haven't, it's it's not a, you know, the engine, uh, well, maybe you could build it into Source, but generally the Valve games don't, you can't see your character's arms and legs, you can normally see just the, the bit of a gun. Now, I think some of the ways that things like Mirror's Edge pulled that off was to have, you know, visible bits of your body and, and stuff yeah. like that, whereas... It is all done with, I guess, sound and motion in in Portal. You do get, you know, you do get flung into walls at times from, you know, by flinging yourself at enormous trajectories. And there is that bit where you have to ascend those three tortuous uh, platforms. And that, even though I'm not a motion sickness sufferer from video games, that bit just can make you feel a bit queasy. Just the idea of being flung repeatedly up in the air yeah. into a hole up and down. You, you do feel like throughout the game that you have access to this device that is extremely powerful and versatile, but you barely have control over it, if that makes any sense. Like, mm. it, it always feels like when you're flinging around the environment, you're like, oh, I barely got through that by the skin of my teeth. Yeah. Um, I almost got splattered on the wall or, you know, fell a hundred feet and died and what have you. It, I, I, well, you can't do that in Portal. What am I talking about? You have those special leg braces that stop you, you from do, dying. Yeah, yeah. I mean more like... You can fall, fall, into, uh, fall into that sort of goop. Goopy yeah. stuff, but yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just... Fire. M- more, like, games are very good at making players feel powerful and Portal does this interesting thing where it makes you feel powerful, but it makes that power feel uh, scary um, in a lot of ways. That this ability that gives you so many options, but also those options can be terrifying for you. Uh, the one sequence that really stands out for me in that regard is towards the end, where there are these multiple platforms, um, and there's this sharp drop, and you have to fall down the sharp drop. And you come out the portal of the un- uh, 
of, of out of one of these towers and you fly in the air and you have to time the portal shot so yeah, you hit it. the other yeah. tower and go back down and keep flying up yeah. and down and flying yes. up and down and you feel like and eventually you get it and you you know you can do it without even thinking but you know the first couple of tries you're like oh, I have no idea what I'm doing here it's crazy yeah. and um the the first time you play through this game um i i think there there is a level of diminishing returns with the portal because the magic kind of disappears over time yeah. but the first time you encounter those kinds of puzzles um it it's it's really it's mind blowing but also terrifying um which i haven't really encountered in a puzzle game before I think it's the way it also the the menace builds because I mean you, this is your spoiler warning listeners if you haven't played Portal uh, I think we could say that you probably could do in some way it's probably sitting on your Steam account or somewhere um, and it wouldn't take you more than a couple of hours to complete if it doesn't make you sick um, the the way the menace builds up to the point that um, you know you are actually in defiance of this AI Glados voiced by Ellen McLean it's it starts off at first you know you just you feel oppressed you feel like a lab rat you know and and that that's kind of that's not necessarily a pleasant feeling but because everything is so you know beautifully put together and and amusing you're kind of you know you're and because you're having fun you're willing to go with it um but you know i i don't want to get too far ahead but that's there are just little signs that uh that GLaDOS is not just this, you know, this um, benign presence, and uh, and obviously that comes to a head later in the game. Um, but yes, we should we should go back first. Um, talk about the sort of uh, difficulty curve, for want of a better phrase, in that the the way it introduces you start with only one portal, um, and you have to earn the right kind of by solving puzzles to get both portals um i guess you know the the idea is that the player isn't completely overwhelmed at, at first you know you, you're introduced to these concepts kind of one at a time it feels almost and i and i mean this is a compliment the whole design of the thing feels almost nintendo-esque in that um it feels like they kind of tested and tested and tested what players needed to know to encounter the next room and and there were very even uh, you know, as I say, I definitely got stuck a few times when I was playing it through the first time. I've now played it through at least three times, and there are still puzzles that make me go, "God, that's clever." Um, but I don't get stuck for so long now, obviously. Um, but it's, yeah, it's that intelligent thought of, yeah, or pro- yeah, as I say, it's probably testing as much as it's. Anything. It's a sort of a really good opening tutorial to the game of this is how you do this. This is the you know the finite way that you do. This is the finite way that you progress, you know, and then you progress to the next one. This is what you do, and then you progress, and then it's this is what you do, and then you get the second portal, and it's like now you know what you can do. Go and have fun, you know. Figure it out for yourself. You've got the power of two, and by that point, you're not overwhelmed because you know you've got the the in portal and you've got the exit portal, and it just sort of opens up because you know which walls, you, which kind of surfaces, sorry, that you can you can throw the mm. portals to. And it, the, as a result of how you're introduced into that game, it never slows down. You know, it, it never has that point where you think, oh, I'm a bit like, this has thrown me in at the deep end. It doesn't. It's so perfectly timed as, a, as an opening section to the game. Um, 
you know, I hate to say it again, but it's something that Valve really do so much better than most companies. And I think Portal might be their finest example of how to set the tone of a game and and sort of go with it. Well, I I've heard it argued that like the first third of this game is a tutorial, really. Like, uh, uh, well, I would say two thirds. Yeah, uh, I I think almost it, the whole thing, all the test chamber stuff, is a tutorial for the the kind of the real game, the denouement. It's sort of and that, at the moment that you go behind the scenes, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Josh. Yeah. No. It it, it just it really um, takes its time in introducing all the different elements of the game, like um, you know how speed is affected by the portals or not affected in this case, and all those other things. It doesn't just go here's some portals go like uh, Carl said. It makes sure that um, the player understands every little nuance of the this mechanic before it says okay you're ready to handle this on your own and and it does it really subtly without the player really uh it doesn't feel like you're going through a tutorial and i think that i think that's partly due to glados because you're always being fed these comical lines and there's this sinister storyline going in the background um it doesn't feel like when it's like teaching you about um, acceleration and uh, how having two portals affects the game now and stuff like that. It never feels like you're going through a tutorial. I think it's only in retrospect that people, when they look back on their experience, they think, wow, actually, the vast majority of that game yeah. was just teaching me stuff. But yeah. it never felt like that. Yeah, I, I don't. I feel we can't go any further, really, without talking about this, because we're... we're edging around it and actually for me it's my my favorite part of the the whole experience um and it really makes me worry that some people played portal and never got to this the, the point where suddenly it's the tw- it's kind of it's kind of like the, a great twist isn't it it's like a great twist in a film i mean it's obvious that you have to do it i can't remember honestly if the first time so Let's rewind a little. GLaDOS uh, makes references famously. Uh, we're not going to talk tons about the the memes and the influences because you've all heard them. But famously, GLaDOS talks about uh, your success being rewarded with cake, um, and then you know basically says, "And you will, you know, there will be a fire, and you will die in the fire." Um, and that happens. You go around. You solve what you think is your final test chamber, test chamber nineteen, I think. Um, and you go around a corner on a conveyor belt, and it starts to slide down into the flames. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I died the first time. I think maybe I had the dawning of realization at the last second that, ah, uh, hang on a minute, I, I can get out of this. But I didn't know it, this wasn't like this t- twist hadn't been telegraphed necessarily. There was nothing in the game to say oh by the way you're going to escape into the behind the scenes of aperture science at this point so i don't know can you can you chaps remember whether you died the first time or was it obvious to you right oh we've got to get out of here i i didn't die the first time um because i just it took so long to be put into the fire that mm. I just assumed, okay, the game wants me to do something here. Like, yeah. if it was just going to kill me, it would have just done it. So the <laughs> fact that it took so long, I was like, okay, clearly there's something I can portal into or something like that. Um, yeah, so I did that. And then, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff starts. And I, mm. I, I think 
I don't know if you guys agree that this is by far the best part of the game. Once oh, it, once I, it, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, once it just suddenly says, "Okay, you're completely free to figure this stuff out for yourself," um, it's still very a directed experience. Of course, it is, but, but it's, it's it's so much yeah. subtler than before, where it feels like everything's very um, yeah designed. Um, you know what I mean? It, it it does feel like it's funneling you more in the earlier sections, whereas now you feel like, "Yes, I'm free. I can do whatever I want." That's, I think it's the breaking of the repetition of test chambers, isn't it? You know, you, you've yeah. done so many of them that it becomes the norm that all of a sudden you're like, "I'm out. So I'm sort of now. I'm trying to escape aperture science." Yeah, uh, it's it's so. You know, they do a great job of not telegraphing things in that game. Until sort of the very moment that it's that it's almost happening, um, and, and all, yeah, and just also the panic in Glados's voice yeah. at that mm. point, because up mm. until that point, um, she's very much this scary onlooker who's just you know casually makes all these creepy comments and then hmm. suddenly for her to be like ah, but please go back to the fire please <laughs> um it, it, it was really thrilling as a player especially the first time you're like ah oh, all the way through this game i've just been following this horrible computer's orders and now i'm actually uh, fighting back there's something really and I know, it, it, I know it's all an illusion, but it's yeah, just—it's a it's, beautiful it's, illusion. It's a be- yeah, it's just so well crafted that you feel like, yeah, yeah screw the man at that point. It's um, the sort of thing. If it was, if someone was doing a, you know, everything wrong with um, Portal type of video, it, it, you know, you would say of all the things that whoever built this facility, they would have made all the walls and anything that the test subject could see from this conveyor belt non-portalable. There's loads of surfaces everywhere that you can't fire portals onto. So obviously, you know, it's a complete conceit. It's a total construct. And of course, every single puzzle on your way out of the facility is every bit as much of a test chamber as everything you've done to the point. But the, the difference is it's it's dressed up so you don't feel like that and that's and it it just works i've done it three at least three times now and it still feels like a thrill it feels like you're in forbidden territory it's that removal it's the removal of the clinical white surfaces that does it for me that that i'm Mm. no longer the patient you know that that, that they want it's and obviously as you say it is quite clearly just more of the same um with essentially different skins or different looking environments, but it's so in keeping with the story. You know, it, it there is something about that white, and then it goes from the the grime that you know you really realise that the, yeah. the tables have turned now, and you're you're all sort of going at the villain as opposed to sort of being the pawn in the villain's game. Yeah, you got rust and pistons, and you get to see where the little sentry bots come from, and and all this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean that's another thing I was going to mention about the in terms of threat and peril. Like, yes, death as such is isn't hugely punished, but you feel it. it I think that you die so quickly from uh, from gunfire. It's a, it's a little bit like the uh, another game that we mention a lot, which is Batman: Arkham Asylum. That thing of you feel very strong in in yourself and your abilities, but until you're fa- you know, that is until you're faced with any sort of um, you know ballistics, <laughs> in which case you know you're weak as anything. Um, and yeah, magic. So many magic moments once you once you uh, pull back the curtain. And even though yeah, like 
all the experienced gamer in me and the fact that I know what's going on, you know, I'm saying, oh, well, you know, why is there a turret in the middle of this room? Because it's clearly only designed to blast open this piece of glass that I can't otherwise get through. But of course, I'm going, oh, that's really clever. You get the turret to lock onto you and then blow through the glass. And all those moments, um, even though I've played it, as I say, you know, at least three times through, it's still that sort of, you know, that sort of nodding acknowledgement of, yeah, that is clever, that is funny, that is witty. Yeah, I think Portal's a game where the first time that I played it through, I really appreciated the puzzles because I was, you know, visiting them for the first time. Everything's fresh, everything's a challenge. But the second time I played it, I actually appreciated the world that it's set in more because you're sort of aware of the pacing of the game, so you sort of spend more time looking at sort of the the secondary story, the the, the writings on the wall... um, stuff that, that that Valve really enjoy doing um, so it, it's a game where as you say it does have its diminishing returns and the third time I didn't yeah. really feel anything special like it did the first two but the first one was certainly puzzles and the second one was the world and I thought that it's quite unusual that it felt like two different experiences you know visiting mm. the second time was a very different experience to the first but still really enjoyable yeah, it, it, I'd, I'd agree. I'd say it isn't a game in a way that you necessarily, um, you know, yeah, unless you, you get into speed running or the advanced chambers, it's not necessarily something you'd want to just keep playing over and over again all the time, like, you know, Dark Souls players do or something like that. But the way I've done it, like played it, you know, once when it came out, once a couple of years later, and then once a couple of years after that, that's worked quite well for me like certainly this time was the kind of the least thrilling in a way because I knew everything that was happening and everything that was coming but as I say there was still a lot of you know like like watching a favorite old film that kind of oh, I love this bit oh I love this bit oh this bit's great oh this bit's really funny you know and yeah you don't you don't necessarily remember every single line that she says even though they've been you know repeated ad infinitum on on the internet <laughs> since 2007 um, one thing that I think is worth talking about, uh, I think this comes more to the fore in the second game, but um, for whatever reason, uh, Valve did uh, decide to throw in some, well, not so much hints as, as giveaways, that this is somehow set in the same mythos, fictional world as the Half-Life game. So there are mentions of uh, the Black Mesa facility both in the game and in, in the famous End Song uh, and a few other little, um, you know, nods and th- things here and there. Now, I know that one of the the great speculations, of course, there are many of uh, of Half Life Three, was somehow portal technology would be used in the next Half Life game. And of course, thinking about that, even as a non game designer, how you could possibly make a combat game that also featured portals, it it's incredibly and it's a hugely exciting idea but also you just can't imagine how they could possibly code any ai that would be able to cope with the possibilities unless they you know massively restricted every area to certain things i don't know what are your what are your I mean, thoughts i don't on think this? it's something that we'll we'll see um i mean half no? half life 2 it, it's real sort of memorable weapon is of course the force gun uh, which is so popular yeah, fan fiction models being made, etc. And it's quite surprising that you know guns are so seldom 
remembered so iconically from games. Um, you know, th- there are obviously the few, but the Force Guns won, and then they went and did it again with the Portal Gun. But whilst they sort of exist in the same world, and obviously it openly flaunts that Aperture Science is part of Black Mesa. That, uh, well, they're no, sort no, of rivals no. to Black they're Mesa. Rivals, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry. They're, they're, in the, they're in the same sort of existing universe. Um, I don't necessarily think you'll ever see them cross, or you well, might, might if, if they ever did it, you might pick it up briefly, but I don't think they'd ever build a Half-Life game around... Well, you know something that's in in Portal and vice versa. I think they'd like to keep what's in them separately, but you might get a reference or two because Valve do like their references. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna spoil the end of Half Life Two Episode Two for everyone. So if you haven't played that game, I apologise. But right at the end of that game, they uh, reference the Borealis, which is, which is a aperture, uh, aperture science ship that was thought to mm. be missing, and they discovered it. And basically, what happens at the end of uh, episode two is that uh, Alex Vance and uh, Gordon Freeman, after some horrible event, they're, they're meant to go off in a helicopter to find the Borealis. So it was very heavily suggested in Episode 2 that yeah. um, Aperture Science technology was going to appear in Episode 3. Don't know if that's going to be the case now, because Episode 3 has been in, or whatever th- that game is going to be knows? now. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know how I'd feel about like the actual portal device being in a Half Life game. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that they're separate, um, and yeah. I, and I think the portal device benefits from very focused game design. Yes. Uh, whereas in a combat environment, suddenly things get a bit more chaotic. Mm. I, however, I I would not <laughs> be. Um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be averse to aperture science type devices suddenly appearing in the Half Life universe, like like mm. I don't know, like a bouncy gel gun or something like that, or um, I don't know. I I, I I I trust Valve to do something like that. I I think they've demonstrated time and again that they can experiment with uh, uh, different ideas successfully, and I and I trust them to cut the stuff out that doesn't work and stuff like that. They're not just going to leave a mechanic in just because it looks cool but ultimately ruins the game. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely not. But I, I like I like the idea that the reason that Half-Life 3 is taking so long is because they're waking, waiting for the for uh, computers to have enough power and for, for them to work out how yeah. to make the most incredible portal gun-based combat game <laughs> the world has ever seen. Um, it's, moments like when, it's, it's moments when you do drop the... Um, drop the sentry bots through the floor and send them flying and then they start shooting you know towards each other and knocking each other out and it does just tickle my desire for those sort of moments in a combat game thinking about some of the fun you have with emergent nonsense in halo and stuff like that just thinking there are ways that i could use this and you know and as i say i think it would be so easy for it to break a combat game to have that sort of power but there there could be a way of rationing it out or or something um you know imagine being in a deathmatch scenario and you know you know that there's only one person in front of you and suddenly you start getting shot from behind because he's fired a portal into a wall and he's somewhere else on the map shooting into a into a hole in the wall there's something that appeals about that but yeah whether it could work or not i don't know take a lot of designing that's for sure speaking of 
the behind the scenes at Aperture Science. Um, now, I'm not an expert on this subject. I, I don't know if, if any of us are. Um, but the the behind the scenes stuff, there's a couple of little bits early on um, where you uh, just can sort of, you feel like you're sneaking behind the scenery. And as Carl's mentioned, there's, you know, there's graffiti, famously the cake is a lie and, and other things like this and, and em- empty bean cans and, and other things. Um now these were these became quickly known um as ratman dens now i know that there's now a whole sort of fiction based around this character who has now gone from just being called ratman to doug ratman two t's two n's um and i don't know it feels like this is sort of retro fitted stuff to me the kind of whole ratman thing but i think i think it has now you know, come from within Valve a lot of this this fiction, and obviously they they thought a lot about it. There's there's quite a lot of stuff in in these secret dens, back room, you know, pictures and scrawlings and and stuff. Um, it's fascinating stuff that seems to have kind of almost taken on a life of its own. Um, I'm sure there are, you know, Doug Ratman cosplayers and <laughs> and all sorts of things. People building you know their own homebrew games around Ratman. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the full story. He's obviously, you know, he's obviously supposed to be a an aperture science um, subject who somehow got, you know, f- free from Glados to a certain point. And uh, there's a whole backstory. Uh, and Josh, you you into the Rat Man? Um, I I kind of liked him as a. Um... A small aspect of Portal yeah, 1. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. But I'm not overly fond of the way they've expanded on him. Um, right. it, it's one of those things where I think less is more, um, yeah. and they've started adding more. <laughs> and I feel like they've somewhat um, yeah. uh, ruined the specialness of it. Um, uh, that said, I, I mean... The fans kind of wanted uh, Valve to expand on that stuff, mm. and I, I, I suppose I can't really. Well, I can actually. I am going to give Valve a hard time for, uh, you know, just giving the fans what they want instead of doing what the fans need. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a good idea. I just I wish they held back a bit rather mm. than just going all in like they have done since uh, Portal's release yeah I mean for those who want to know everything about Doug Ratman uh, just go to the Half-Life Wikia and and it's all there um, pages and pages of it they've you know transcribed every bit of graffiti and, and um, you know tried to work out where all the influences come from and explained how he sleeps on these cardboard boxes and all this stuff um and I, yeah i think valve did expand on it themselves between games possibly if i recall rightly there was some sort of promotional stuff in featuring him but yeah i think so often you know fans feel that they want stuff like this expanded when actually like you say it's um it always makes me think of the the horrors of um, the Star Wars prequels making that universe smaller and smaller and smaller and everything's kind of more linked and less kind of grand and vast and uh, when actually the 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 imagination is, is so much more powerful just the idea of this mysterious little figure was kind of more intriguing but um but yes we can't we can't put the genie back in the bottle now Doug Ratman is out or well I don't know he might be dead I'm not sure because I, I, <laughs> I don't know 
then uh, this is a puzzle game with a uh, with a final boss. Now, um, I think one of our correspondents talks talks about it as in terms of a boss battle, and and it sort of is. Um, you 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 enter into a room with uh, the, the sort of mechanical personification of Glados, who is in a sort of female form, as if uh, as if suspended from a ceiling. Um, and once again, you you know you outwit and outsmart her with with the device that she has provided you by. Uh, she she gives a clue away by uh, one. I think she sort of blows off one of her own cores first, doesn't she? And oh, that that was completely meant to happen. And you throw it in a bin. And again, it's you know the script makes it fun, even though you've got all these absurdities and conveniences going on. Um, and again, playing this for the third time uh, the other day, it was uh, very very easy. Um, but the first time, you've got the clock ticking down, the noxious gas coming in. Um, you've got the the one the one core head that's voiced by uh, former Faith No More frontman Mike Patton um, and uh, Crank Two composer. <laughs> he uh, he's the one who makes all the noises. Um, and it and it again it had that effect of actually you know making you know making me tense and and feeling uncomfortable because here I really did feel like I was doing things that I hadn't learned how to do before. But actually, of course, you're not. You're getting one of those turrets to aim at you and and come out the wall and yeah it's um it it works for me i mean the, there's a there's a amazing coup de gras in portal 2 that we'll talk about in a month time but um how do you feel about glados showdown gents I, I, well i think the the dialogue throughout that sequence is the funniest dialogue in the game um uh, i i forget some of the jokes she makes but there was one where she's like uh, here's a recording of you and she goes meh, meh, meh. that's what you sound like <laughs> yeah and that just made mm. me laugh um the actual like gameplay of it is you know as you said it's it's pretty easy it's it's not frustrating or you know difficult or anything like that but it's uh once you know what you're meant to do you kind of just go through the motions especially on uh, uh you know return playthroughs but yeah, it, it's still a, a memorable part of the game. Certainly not the me- uh, mechanically the strongest part of the game, but just to, in terms of the writing and you know Gladys being Glados, it, it's it's still a it's a fun moment. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like arguably the most forced moment of the game in in the fact that it is a boss battle. But at the same time, it is thoroughly enjoyable. Um, as Josh said, the you know the scripting in that section is absolutely fantastic and you listen to it but the first time I actually played it I failed, I ran out of time uh, trying to figure yeah, it out I'm and sure I was I trying to you know, line up the, the rockets to to hit the, uh, to make the right connection and sometimes it would be a little bit off and that was yeah. a little bit irksome but it never felt completely downright unfair or frustrating like you know, almost any number of yeah. other boss fights in games <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and this is sure. a game that isn't built around combat and it still did it better than most so I think that probably speaks volumes uh, of what I think of the end game. Yeah, I still th- I still managed to fly even in this most recent playthrough. I managed to fly past the the final core that's that she suspends very high up in midair without grabbing it a couple of times. So you know it has it has its moments. And then uh, so shutting it down and there's uh, you know it kind of goes nuclear and you end up in above ground. Now as I understand it they. They added a little extra uh, something to this animation. Now I can't really remember what it what it was like before, 
um, in in its initial form. Um, but you you basically see yourself, or oh, well, sorry, you don't see yourself, but you are lying above ground uh, around the ruins of of this facility. But I think they probably in the run up to Portal Two they added just a little animation where you start to be dragged off something like yeah, that. Yeah, um, it suggested that the two robots from the co op campaign of oh, Portal that's Two them. Yes, drag of course, you yeah. off. Um, yes, yes. Um, Forgotten their names, but. Uh, Peabody and Atlas. There you go. That's it. Okay. Well done. Yeah. Um, yes. And that's the end. Until, of course, uh, there is something else that plays, and that is the song. Um, now, uh, uh, Jonathan Coulton's still alive. I, I, I did. You know. Yeah, just, <laughs> it's, on, it's just the way that you said it. Sort of threw me. I didn't actually click on to the fact that the song was still alive. It was just the fact that you went, Jonathan Coulton's still alive. <laughs> and it, it, it just genuinely threw me. I was like, "What did? What did, did people think he he's, was?" He's, yeah, he's hanging in there yeah. despite his his illness. No, I don't. I'm sure he's absolutely yeah. Fine. Regular appearances on the uh, Ask Me Another podcast uh, where he plays okay, the music round, and he's excellent on it. And it's a, a good fun okay. quiz, so worth listening. If you actually like the song "Still Alive" by Jonathan Colton, tune, in, tune yes, into that quiz f- podcast because he does singing <laughs> rounds in it quite a lot, and it is funny. You may be familiar with his other songs, Skullcrusher Mountain, and um, that one about being um, a monkey at work, and other things. Yes, you know, um, he he has records and records um, of uh, nerdy pop, and uh, he's a he's a fine he's a fine songsmith, I think. And this song obviously became you know a, a big thing, a huge meme. Um, obviously, this isn't one that he sings himself, although there are recordings of him out there singing it. Uh, Glados Ella McLean sings this, but. Uh, the first time I heard it, I didn't know it was coming. It wasn't a big meme. It hadn't been all over the internet for seven years or whatever. And I loved it. I thought it was super funny. Um, I loved the sort of ASCII graphics and the way that the um, the, the lyrics came up at the same time and the, the, the grammatical annotation and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and it's it's one of those things that's now, you know, it became so ubiquitous. It was played at every podcast used to have it on their show, like along with the Plants and Zo- Plants vs. Zombies song. And obviously, you know, we're going to finish this podcast with it and hopefully people haven't heard it for a while. Um, but I think that I think there's a reason why so many things in this game. I've seen quite a lot of our correspondence was sort of related to the memes and the spin-offs and the, and the, the things that this game sort of, became known for rather than being this you know this great valve puzzle game in, in its own right and but i think that just it just speaks of its quality really it's like it's just this is everyone loved these things so they became it's really incredible popular. isn't um, it the amount of memes that have come out of valve games recently and obviously left for dead has its fair few team fortress has loads but and obviously yeah. half-life has some but portal is just on a whole mm. other level <laughs> for stuff that it's known for, from obviously the poster design to the you know the the, the cake memes and and the companion yeah. cube being one of people's favourite yeah. ever characters, actually <laughs> one of the yeah. best escort missions in a game, which is kind of weird. Um, it is because it is just yeah. a cube with a heart on it, and that's 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 the gag. And but it you know you can now buy plushy companion cubes, and 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 people you know people nerds like us have cushions in their lounge that are companion cubes. And, um, and yeah, it's just a byproduct of. I wonder why it's so particularly rife with memes. I, I mean, we we can only speculate, and this isn't really our remit, but we're here now. Um, I I wonder if it is the 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 brevity and the density of humor and all these 
you know these catchy things catchy songs catchy gags the fact that the game's only two hours long it all kind of sticks in your head rather than getting diluted and yeah. maybe you know I, I don't know I, I, I don't know what it is I think it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's just really intelligently put together um, a lot of the jokes are built into the game like the companion cube is a great example of that it's not just like the lines of dialogue that GLaDOS say are hilarious in of themselves but the fact that you have a connection to that cube before you throw it in an incinerator <laughs> makes that moment even more special it, it's not that the uh, the writing like in like in a lot of comedy games the writing and the actual things you do in the game are very much separate and i think portal did a really good job of combining the two so there was the humorous dialogue that was informed by what you were doing and i think that's why it stuck in people's minds i mean isn't it weird i've mentioned on the podcast numerous times about how video games haven't affected me uh in an emotional form of sadness obviously happiness we, we've discussed in the past but hmm. of those that you know I, I mean it's never affected me in a way of sadness but getting rid of the companion cube is probably the the most sad I've been playing a video game which is kind of weird right but it, it was it was just such a great character in, in that game um, and one thing that Valve do is that they must they have a team of writers and people who put it together and then obviously of course there's people worship at the church of valve for a start which which obviously helps but there are marketing teams the world over wish they could do what valve do in how they sell their byproducts you know they can sell posters of portal all day long you've got the plushies for companion cubes obviously the head crabs in half-life uh, the the posters from left for dead i mean that that valve's products are just an absolute salesman's dream but what they did with with Portal, I think it all originally started with that original trailer that Josh mentioned. It's the same with Team Fortress Two. They have some of the funniest vignettes, arguably the funniest vignettes of any game, regularly for each character. And it's a lot of it's to do with the pacing. They don't push it on you. It's spread out over time, and it, it, it's just it's really wonderful how they do it at Valve. Can I can I just go back to the companion queue for uh, two seconds? Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it's interesting, um, Carl, that you mentioned that you don't usually get you know emotionally engaged in games, and I and I feel like I'm the opposite of that in that it doesn't take much. He did also get sad about the the cuddly owl creature, yeah, uh, in Papa, uh, yes, in, uh, brothers. in brothers. So you know, it does but, it does. Uh, but... It is very rare. But the, the reason it's such a point for me in video games is because a book, a TV show, a movie, hell, even a couple of adverts. And I'm a proper little baby when it comes to it. You know, I get properly emotionally invested in stuff and get sad. Um, And, and, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I've had the odd cry, but in video games, nothing close. You just got to let them in. Just got to let them in. What I was gonna, (laughs) what I was gonna say though, was um, usually I'm the opposite of you. I I get very emotionally involved in uh, lots of games. I felt nothing for the companion cube, and it was really. Really interesting after release, hearing everyone go, "Oh God, it's so horrible!" Oh, it took me ages to throw the companion. <laughs> I just threw no. him in straight away with no yeah. feelings whatsoever. You didn't it's even a look cube. to see if there was a, a way around it. The, the, it's a cube. 
It's a cube. It's a cube the same as all the others with hearts. If it was a dog or a kitty cat or a baby or just a human (laughs) being, I would understand. But it's a piece of plastic with a heart painted on it. I've thrown any number of human beings into incinerators in games and never felt anything but that cube. It's just a cube, people. (laughs) (laughs) And then at the very, very end, after the song... Um, it is revealed by via a, a, a CG sequence that there was there was a cake. There really was a cake at the very bottom of the building. Um, yeah, the cake wasn't a lie. There we said it. But then, but then it made you wonder uh, who lit the candles. Oh, that's a very good. Uh, well, the robot snuffed the candles, so maybe a robot lit the candle. Mm, mm. Maybe it was Doug Ratman. Anyway, it's a fine-looking cake. Um, and you can, of course, there are. I think you can buy kits to make a cake that look just like the so like portal cake, black forest cake, or something. Yeah, sort of a bit black forest gato. Yeah, yeah, um, with yeah strawberries on it and stuff instead of black cherries. But there you have it. We talked cake on the portal show. <sighs> Tick. <laughs> now uh, let's bring in some of our trusted and valuable community members with their own comments and experiences on the portal experience I said experience twice I don't now let's bring in some of our community members um, who have posted at canorince.com slash forum and in some cases emailed us at canorince at gmail.com uh, you can do either of those things uh, if you want to correspond with us and possibly have your stuff on the forthcoming podcast and uh, Josh, you want to start with Andy's? Okay, so Andy Kurosaki says, The orange box was always going to be a day one purchase for me. I loved Half-Life, but without a gaming-capable PC, this was going to be my first chance to play Half-Life 2. All the previews praised Portal, saying it's brief but brilliant. So it was the first thing I fired up when I got home with the orange box. And it is indeed brilliant, superb in fact, and absolutely a game I'll remember for the rest of my life. Getting to grips with the portal gun was so much fun, and once the first few rooms were cleared and it started to up the ante, you were hooked. It helped that GLaDOS was excellent, every interaction with her was always interesting, more so when you realise she flat out wants to kill you. Then there's the companion cube, cake, and of course, the hear it once, get it stuck in your head forever, still alive. Thanks, Andy. Cock? Domsby had said, I picked up the orange box that I could play Half-Life 2 and the episodes. I never paid Portal or Team Fortress 2 much attention. I would say Portal is a highly enjoyable and very memorable game. There's nothing better than standing in a room and the solution just being on the fringes of your thoughts when you see it. Well written, funny, and for me, a great length. If one of you isn't eating cake during a coding, I'll be most disappointed. No need to be disappointed, Dom. Oh, Dom's beard. I am eating cake. Coffee cake, but cake nonetheless. Hit Me Mister says... I played Portal in a couple of sittings before Portal 2 was released. Though having been following Half-Life since the beginning due to console gaming and my growing family, I missed Portal completely, not even noticing the release of the Orange Box. I believe the praise coming from Gamerdork and Joypod was the first time I became interested in the title. 
I found Portal to be the single best example of how a video game story should be told with superb pace, story and humour. I find many games try too hard to be movies and feel Portal got things right. The seamless way the rules were explained to me broke down the barrier between game and reality extremely well. Being a shooty first-person drivey race player, this was unusual for me to be drawn into any game world. I think maybe the reason why I hold the Portal game so highly in my memory is its simplicity, which within holds some difficult puzzles offering clever payoffs and all the time being passively aggressively poked by the mighty GLaDOS. Also, I feel worth a mention is the length of the game. Perfection, given the story that was told, it never seemed to stand still once room solutions were discovered. All in all, just a very neat, tidy package and an absolute pleasure to experience. Uh, Neki Mansus says, I picked up the orange box before a trip to visit my dad over Christmas break. I spent way more time than I expected on this weird little game, since I'd primarily purchased it for Half-Life. Pretty sure I ended up playing this more than Half-Life 2. Well-paced, clever, silly, it's a solid little number. I immediately revisited it for the time trials and the commentary, not something I typically do. But I enjoyed going back through it like that, trying new things and getting those times down, or learning about the development process. Overall, I felt that it really had just the right amount of challenge in the puzzles and was well balanced between being linear while feeling open. General silly things like infinite falling or chasing yourself were also plenty amusing for a while too. Probably my only complaint is that they felt the need to put in a final boss encounter. I'm not sure how I would have closed it off myself, but it stuck out a bit awkwardly to me at the time. Story-wise, the fight was more or less fine, just felt out of place as far as the gameplay went. But even that is just a minor thing in comparison to how much it did right. Um, just wanted to mention, as we didn't before, yes, uh, this is a game that has uh, commentary, de- developer commentary bubbles, and I would suggest that um, anyone who enjoys a podcast like Kane and Rince would be very well served if they haven't already to listen to any of the developer commentaries on any of the Valve games that have them, because I find them fascinating, and, and uh, they really are a, a huge insight into how... Uh, Valve and and presumably to a point other uh, you know top tier developers make their games recommended. Tadinho said, "I was never massively into Half Life, so when the Orange Box came along, it passed me by completely. A friend of mine, however, got it. But instead of talking about Half Life, all he ever seemed to talk about was this other game in the box called Portal and how great it was. I eventually gave in, and Portal was one of the first Steam games I played when I installed the service." The funny thing is, other than hearing my friend saying how great and clever it was, I went in, uh, went blind into the game. I didn't even know it was a puzzle game until I actually played it. And at first, I didn't think much of it. It was a simple game with an interesting mechanic and with barely any plot. But you could still tell that the AI was going to turn evil in the end. But like they say, everything's in the execution, and Portal executed all of its single parts well. The game handled its difficulty curve perfectly, with each puzzle getting just hard enough to challenge, but not enough to frustrate. The game also provides plenty of other levels once the main campaign is done, if you still want to flex your brain. The main draw of Portal, however, is the story, or rather the presentation. The writers and Ella McLean managed to take a pretty straightforward story and give it a twist and personality that made it one of the most memorable of the generation. Every line from GLaDOS is funny, and on point, especially after she shows her true colours. There's not a moment where you're not either entertained, intrigued, or a little frightened by her, 
and I think it's safe to say her spot as one of gaming's most memorable villains is well deserved. Of course, none of this could be achieved without the great sense of isolation and mystery the environment creates. I still remember how fun it was to explore the Ratman's den without knowing what it was on my first playthrough. In the end, Portal shows just how much can be accomplished with simple concepts, personality and great execution. It became one of my favourite games after I played it the first time, and it's still one of my very favourite games today. Nice. Electric Crocosaurus says, I picked up the orange box for Half-Life 2 Episode 2, but it's Portal that has kept me returning in the years since. This is mostly due to its tone and sense of humour. Portal feels like a spiritual successor to Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy novels, and even games such as Starship Titanic. It also helps that it isn't a long game, it never outstays its welcome, and while Portal 2 is excellently paced in its own way, 2 is definitely the marathon to Portal 1's sprint. Portal 1 is entirely focused on exploring the potential of the Portal gun, which it does in increasingly inventive ways. And just as the testing format starts to feel formulaic, the rug is pulled from underneath you for a final act that fully deserves its position as a gaming masterclass. There is no cake, still alive, the companion cube. Portal has so many iconic elements that have become a part of the gaming lexicon that it's hard to remember a time before they were known. Why do I love Portal so much? I don't think I have ever laughed at a game script as much as I did when I played through the final GLaDOS battle. Xavier Desmond says, What makes Portal special for me is GLaDOS. Without her narration, Portal would be a well-designed puzzle game with an enjoyable central mechanic. A game that would be fun to play, but wouldn't last long in the memory. With GLaDOS, Portal is elevated beyond this into a landmark game. GLaDOS is by turns funny, childish, playful and downright terrifying, but always entertaining. Creating and writing such a great character is Portal's biggest achievement. Magic Joe F. Portal felt like a generation shift to me, not in terms of hardware, but in attitude. The portals were a fascinating mechanic that led to some exhilarating moments when the physics-defying solutions clicked in your brain. But rather than spread the concept thinly across a lengthy campaign, they strove for quality. I regard what they produced as a testament to how a smaller, tightly crafted experience can live with someone far longer than a repetitious slog that is simply there to create a perceived value. I loved the way the sterile environments gradually unravelled along with GLaDOS, and how the puzzles elegantly built in complexity to the point where trying to verbally explain your solution to another person would probably leave you tongue-tied. The most incredible thing about Portal, however, was that it made me feel like a genius. And that's no mean feat, because I'm normally rubbish at puzzle games. Lots of uh, excellent and eloquent um, Portal reviews um, there from our excellent community. Uh, I, you know, uh, once again, um, this podcast has been uh, largely positive, I think it's fair to say, but... Uh, that's the way it is. We didn't get any negative feedback from the forum, and um, so far we haven't given too much from ourselves either. I suspect that's going to continue. But there you go. That's uh, that's just us being honest. Um, also, quite a lot of people um, commenting in there that I only bought the orange box, or you know, I only intended to buy the orange box for Half Life or Half Life Two Episode Two or whatever. Um, so many. I. I We've talked about this a lot of times before, but how interesting that um, going into something 
maybe you know maybe that's part of why this caught on so much as well as just being you know damn fine it was that there wasn't a huge amount of expectation from a lot of people you weren't going into it going you know it wasn't like although people had said it was good there weren't it wasn't like 98% this is the game of the century everyone's got to play it it wasn't quite that level of hyperbole so I think one of the advantages it also came at a time before the massive boom of something like Facebook and certainly you know, before something like Twitter, yeah, suppose, where it's yeah. some, you know, we we have that mentality where games can be sort mm. of forced on your, you know, forced down your throat almost on the where, on Twitter yeah, where and everything's then so want, instant. Um, absolutely, and people don't want to go along yeah. with the the consensus, the status quo, because they makes them feel lacking individuality. So they, yeah, exactly. they play devil's advocate and whatever. Yeah. Okay, three word reviews via Twitter. Uh, you can tweet us, follow us at Kane and Rince. Funnily enough. Okay, Daniel Carter says, let's eat cake. Alex Shaw, funniest brain bending. Tony Chandler says, still alive, cake. Tat Sun says, excellent experimental science. Frozen Treasure says, needs nothing more. Daniel Owens says, scientific, short, sweet. Michael Howard says, focused, succinct, genius. Alan Smith valve ist test James Phylus says while twiddling his chin orange boxing clever Alan Wilkinson says marry me GLaDOS (laughs) James Batchelor was a triumph he was and Xavier Fox Shandy uh, goes down the excellent route of note huge success um, another thing that uh, strikes me there, you know, three-word reviews like scientific, short and sweet, and a number of our correspondents. Um, we've it wasn't really planned this way, but we've ended up um, covering in quick succession a number of uh, what people might consider short games with brothers Papo and Joe, and now Portal. Obviously, Mario Galaxy in the middle, less so. Um, but so many people just like, yeah, oh, great, perfect length. You know, it, it just goes to show that. I mean, you know, pricing might be an issue for some of these titles if, you know, if they had been released at, you know, 39.99, but there is a real desire and demand for games that are, you know, of 2, 3, 4 hours but are packed with, you know, well, high quality. I mean, quality in terms of games that we've covered, stuff like um Journey obviously and and Portal and countless game of the year awards regardless of their size and obviously games like uh, Brothers have also taken yeah. several awards, albeit not as many yeah. as obviously Portal, which ran away with it, and, and Journey, mm. which was an incredible success. Mm. Yeah, yes, there's a lot of love for the shorter games these days. Not to say that you know people aren't still sinking hundreds of hours into Dark Souls and whatever. But anyway, let us summarise. Um, I guess thinking about if anyone is listening to this who hasn't played Portal yet, there might be one or two. Um, but also just yeah, your own your own take on the game starting with Carl yeah I mean Portal's a really interesting one because I was immediately intrigued from the from the original video that was released that that Josh mentioned right at the start of the show it was a really smart piece of marketing and it was something that I waited for the fact that they were thrown into the orange box was obviously a massive coup for me because you felt like you were you almost felt like you were stealing the game from them you know it it was it was Mm, a ridiculous mm. bargain and it's arguably the... I mean, you could argue it to be the best game in there, although I would still say that Half-Life 2 is the star. But it's certainly up there. It, it, it's a magnificent experience. 
it's also an experience that I didn't think was that good the first time I went through it. And it's something that I didn't okay. mention earlier in the podcast. I liked the puzzles, mm. but it all felt like it was over too quickly. And that, that's strange for me because the amount of games I play that I always feel are just going on too long. And that's when I get frustrated. And, I, I, you know, I've had those frustrations on numerous games throughout this podcast. But this felt... I don't... I think... One of the best things I did with the game was play it with my friends watching, and I think one of the worst things I did was play the game with my friends watching because it's an experience where you, if perhaps if you're isolated on your own and you're, you're 100% focused on it, it feels a bit more special. And my second playthrough was much more successful to me than my first, not in terms of how I went through the game, but in how much I enjoyed it and how much I felt like I got from it. It's It, it does so many things well. The, the scripting is up there with my favourites you know it, it, humour is something that, that I've always enjoyed in games from the you know Monkey Island and, and Broken Sword days mm. and we've obviously seen it in, in Portal and obviously the Uncharted games are also known for it so but it's rare that humour is done well in a game it often comes off as either crass or cheap or immature and the, Portal is very much none of those it doesn't take you for an idiot it gives everything at its own pace and it lets you get what you want to get from it and I think that is arguably its finest success. It has some brilliant characters in there. GLaDOS is every bit what she's made out to be and more. The game, like with several other Valve titles, has its own fantasy-written universe that if you're ever looking for for stories uh, to read, there's, there's numerous stories about the you know the the origins of Chell and, and where she's come from and and what she's done that, that that's fascinating as as you mentioned you don't actually know that her name's Chell except from the lore mm. of the game that you arguably get from looking on the internet i don't even think it mentioned it in the manual uh, mm. of the orange box and it and it became a massive surprise that you know she had this name she's a faceless character much in the same way that that Gordon Freeman is yet there's something so powerful about her. She's she's a powerful female lead in a game that isn't cheapened by her looks or image or the things that she says or does. And it's it's something that is sort of really, I don't want to say unique, but it certainly feels special. And it's something that draws me even further into this game, you know. And. The, the characters that are in it, obviously everyone knows GLaDOS, I'm not cold-hearted like Josh, so the companion cube was, you know, it was hard for me to get rid of, and it, it's a, it's something that I remember from the game, it was a great design, the world isn't exactly spectacular looking, but it fits because everything is so consistent from the very first minute of that game to the very end, from, you know, the the clinical innards of Aperture Science to behind the scenes of the warehouses, it's... It never sells itself for less than what it is. And it's something that, that comes with brave risk-taking in, in its game design. And obviously, I've mentioned that, that Valve are able to do stuff that other companies can't because they've got this work ethic, this work mentality where they're never rushed into a project, yet that always feels like there's something special about them. And, and Portal, being the length that it is, is arguably for me the pinnacle of it I don't think it's as good as other games but for what they did in that package in such a short game was so brave that it it's probably changed the market and the reception to games of that length forever 
I really can't sing this game's praises enough because of everything that it has done. It, it it's brought the puzzle games back that I used to play, but it put a fresh twist on them. It, you know, it, it has its humour, its scripting, the music. It really does deserve all the plaudits it's received, and it will feel as fresh playing it for the first time today as it did in two thousand and seven. And I think that is something very rare indeed. Thanks, Carl. Um, yeah, I didn't know you didn't like it the first time through or didn't enjoy it so much, shall we say. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that was circumstantial. But sometimes, you know, it's like uh, like some of the best uh, albums, you know, take four or five listens, you know, to to really get the get what's going on or whatever. So maybe it's like that. Um, briefly for me, as the game is brief um, and because we've heaped enough praise on Portal, I guess. Um, yeah, I really, really liked this game at the time. As I say, I went in with virtually no expectations. As as Carl said, it felt like I was getting a kind of freebie, really. I, I knew it was relatively uh, brief experience, and I was buying the orange box for the Half-Life uh, package, the Half-Life 2 set, as it were. Um, and yeah, this was a, a beautiful surprise. I think within the realms of uh, games design, I would, you know, I would describe some of the, the both the, the fundamental concept and some of the puzzle design as genius. Um, and yeah, the fact that it's so uh, beautifully, consistently, coherently written uh, and actually manages to be funny um, is uh, just yeah, extraordinarily rare and unusual. Um, perhaps less so now. You know, there are a lot of you know intelligent, funny games, particularly coming out of in this you know era where a lot of uh, games that would have been niche and, and stuff are getting quite a lot of. Um, notices on Steam and, and PSN and things like that but back in 2007 it was a real breath of fresh air and I also agree with Carl that while the game perhaps you know does diminish on repeated playthroughs um, to a point um, if you played it having never played it before now uh, it would yeah it's it's not really a game that would have particularly aged in any meaningful way whatsoever uh, so play it if you haven't seriously I mean really Josh, I, I think the the one word that comes to mind when I think of Portal One, especially, is just intelligent. Like everything about this game is intelligently designed, from the puzzles to the the, the just the level design and all of that stuff. The central mechanic, um, the jokes are very bright they're not dumb video game humor that we've uh, come to expect from the likes of duke nukem and all that stuff it's really cleverly constructed jokes and also jokes that play into the mechanics of the game they're not separate they're combined they're together um, and just the fact that it manages to have a story that fits so perfectly with the kind of game that they were trying to make. There is no ludonarrative dissonance in Portal. <laughs> it all fits together really, really well. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's become one of my absolute favourites. Um, I think it's one of Valve's absolute best games up there with Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2 is like, you know, I really love that game. So for me to even uh, uh, compare any game to Half-Life 2, I, I mm. think says a lot about the quality of that game. Yes, if you haven't played Portal 1, go play it. It hasn't aged a day. So uh, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing game. Thanks, Josh. Uh, so 
it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank uh, Josh and Carl. James was supposed to be here. Apologies, James fans. Uh, get well soon, James. He wasn't feeling very well for the last week or so uh, at the time of recording. Old news. Uh, you may remember, or you may not, some time ago, uh, issue 77 of the podcast, still available on iTunes or via the blog, we covered Metro 2033, which uh, is coming soon to next-gen consoles. It's still available for crazily cheap on current-gen machines and PC. Current-gen, last-gen, I don't know. Uh, but next time, in issue 127, we'll be returning to the carnival atmosphere of the Moscow underground of the post-nuclear apocalypse future with Metro Last Light. Until then, here's a song you've probably heard before. This was a triumph I'm making a note here Huge success It's hard to overstate my satisfaction Aperture science We do what we must Because we can For the good of all of us Except the ones who are dead But there's no sense crying over every mistake You just keep on trying till you run out of cake And the science gets done And you make a neat gun For the people who are still alive I'm not even Black Mesa 